so much great Advertising Week content, so little time. Snackable AI is now helping you navigate podcasts like this one, event sessions, and other content with chapters, topic tags, and more. Find the insights that matter to you faster than ever before. Learn more at snackable.ai. On today's episode of AW360, I speak with Amal Weishampayan, Chief Product Officer at Full Throttle. Amal and I discuss the increasing importance of first-party data, why first-party data scarcity exists and what can be done about it, and the need for marketers to transform their own data into actionable information. I hope you enjoy this episode. Amal, welcome to the AW360 podcast. I'm pleased to have you on today. Thanks for having me here, Richard. So you are CPO, Chief Product Officer at Full Throttle. Tell me what Full Throttle does and what you do at Full Throttle. Sure. So uh, as a Chief Product Officer at Full Throttle, I've um, been there since the beginning and responsible for uh, our product strategy, vision, and um, execution of our technology. And, you know, in many ways, we are a, a startup. We're a small organization of about 60, 70 people. Um, so we're, we're multiple hats as, as that goes in, in, a, in, a, in that kind of startup culture and environment. What Full Throttle does is that we generate and transform unique cookie-less first-party household data. And that data enables agencies, media companies, uh, and brands to market and measure relevant advertising down to a household level, um, especially in all of the changes that are happening in the ad tech industry, with cookie apocalypse, the deprecation of third-party cookies, and just a general uh, seismic kind of lifts that are happening in the industry. Uh, we're building and generating uh, data on behalf of advertisers that they own that really enables the entire ecosystem. It's really important to help marketers transition to that cookie-less future. And for a lot of, um, let's say, the last two or three years, as these changes have started to come to market, everyone's been asking, what's the future? As the third-party cookie goes away, as all these seismic shifts happen in the industry, what's going to be um, really the future of advertising? And pretty much the industry has been screaming the answer and accepted the answer now for first-party data, right? Hey, first-party data, our ability to independently uh, own and retain and harness uh, first-party data as an advertiser, uh, as a publisher, um, and for agencies and media companies, that's going to be the future. But... The biggest challenge, Richard, with first-party data is a problem of scarcity, right? So if everyone is screaming the future is first-party data, the future is first-party data, um, it's not as meaningful if there's a big problem of scarcity and there's just not that much first-party data um, that brands have today. So that's the biggest, I mean, we do a number of different things, but the kind of core flagship ability that we've built is our patent-pending tech to generate and transform unique cookie-less first-party household data that you didn't have before. And when it comes to that first-party data, particularly the scarcity, I know that that is obviously one of the big concerns as we leave the our cookied past, as it were, and, and yeah. kind of move forward. How do you go about sort of, I guess, calming brand's fears when it comes to that. I mean, there's there's been a lot of theories as to how the, the cookie-less future works, and a lot of talk about first-party data, but as you kind of implied, there isn't a whole lot of first-party data available. At what point 
did you guys start gathering that first party data or start working with brands to help them gather it? And then how do you, moving forward, kind of connect those dots? Yeah, for sure. Great question. So, I mean, it's interesting, Richard, we, we started um, doing this about four or five years ago, um, you know, and really that was before all these changes came to market. So um, I think with any uh, uh, business, I mean, there's a lot of talent and strategy, and all those great things, and, and a little bit of luck also goes a long way. So we were exceptionally well positioned when all these changes started coming to market. So we kind of had a leg up. Um, you know, with our technology and the ability that we built, you know, from scratch uh, to be able to do this transformation again without first-party cookies, without third-party cookies, in a in a very very different way. So um, today, every brand is challenged with saying, "Do I have uh, agencies that can use first-party data? Do I have uh, ad tech vendors that are able to accept first-party data?" We even have large, um, you know, CPG companies. Uh, I can't mention who, but. Uh, several of them have mandates in their overall media allocation. So one of the brands that we work with has mandated to all their partners that 30% of our spend has to be on first-party data or first-party data-fueled, um, you know, uh, program programmatic audiences. So um, this is definitely a change and a trend that we are seeing in the market for a lot of advertisers who are not publishers, right? For, for like, a, I'll use Nike or like some, you know, big kind of CPG brands, they've never really had to be a publisher. So they never super had to focus on, hey, what's my first party data um, looking into the future? You know, how do I use that? So for, for those that, um, you know, weren't, I think this is a big pain point and this is something that uh, we help with. The second part is when you really double click into scarcity, you say, well, why is it scarce? And what are the sources that were there before? And the key sources of first party data typically are looking in the past, right? So it's like, Hey, um, you know, let's just say you're like a mattress company, just random example, right? I have my first party data is the people that are in my database that have purchased a mattress from me before, right? Over the X last X number of years, or like if I have leads, right? Like what's some kind of CRM or people who you know submitted for information. Uh, I have that as well, but all this first party data is very much um, looking in the past, right? You're trying to use that. You're trying to carry that forward. It's almost um, not as relatable or it's a little out of touch because it's looking into the past. Our key focus, in addition with the kind of overall pain point of scarcity is also in, it's, it sounds a little uh, dramatic, but we call it first party data from the future. So just to give you a use case, you know, we're putting our technology on an advertiser's website and all these audiences that are no, not in their database today, we're transforming them into first party households in a privacy compliant way so that they can then use that uh, with the entire ecosystem. Interesting. And so when it comes to sort of the privacy matters that everybody's been concerned about over the past few years, and I, I always find it interesting that it's only the past few years we've really had a focus on privacy. How do you deal with that? And how does that relate to, for example, you, you have a partnership with BlockGraph? Yeah, for sure. So um, there's a number of different ways. And, and some of the privacy pieces are the way that we anonymize that data the way that if we do de-identify would be only activating in aggregate, right? So there's a lot of, maybe a lot of little mechanics that we ensure privacy, uh, but ultimately also from our, our perspective, um, you know, none of the data is ours, right? So 
we are simply a service provider when it comes to things like CCPA and, and you know that kind of legislation and how they define companies. So all the data, you know, if we're using the same mattress company example there, um, all of that data that we are helping transform is not ours. It belongs to, it's really just taking that mattress company's own data and turning that into more forward looking first party data that's been transformed. So also from our perspective, we feel like we're helping brands become more data independent, which is super important um, because before they've been relying on all these vendors. And as the last year or, or two have told us that now you're, you, you're not as resilient, right? When you're you know, relying on all these third parties to do um, everything for you. So we're not like a data broker, um, you know, anything like that, where we're selling data, we're not keeping that data. We're simply a facilitator and a service provider to help brands essentially generate voluminous amounts of first-party data that they never had before. And we do it all in a like CCPA compliant, you know, privacy compliant way so that we're never uh, crossing um, signals. We're not allowing, you know, data brokerages to occur where, you know, one party has so much uh, data on a single person across multiple brands. Interesting uh, sidebar, if you don't mind. Yeah. You know, you mentioned data brokerages. Do you feel that the age of the data broker is nearing an end? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the principal things that CCPA um, is focused on is sale of data, right? So if you can no longer sell data, fundamentally, I mean, that that kills the business model of a data brokerage. So there's a very, like, uh, what I feel is an, is a absolute, which is the law now coming into place saying you cannot sell data. And that becomes much harder for uh, data brokers to exist. Plus, I think data brokers are the opposite of privacy. That's the, hey, tell me everything you have on Richard, right? Like that's, that's can't be the future. And it's certainly not what, um, you know, what, what consumers want. So I think, you know, we're going to see a lot of changes in the in industry. There's a lot of third party big data companies today. And if they cannot sell their data, the only kind of corporate strategy they have is let's go buy up all the other third party companies that already have data built before this law was passed, right? So now you have all these little companies you can buy. At some point you run out of companies to buy, which means you can no longer buy more third party data. What do you do then? What do you do in that world? And the only, um, and you know, this is our, our, our kind of uh, our hypothesis or our point of view is that the only way forward is that brands are gonna come to these big data houses that you know, deliver kind of behavioral data and all that type of stuff and say, Hey, as a brand, I have all this first party data. I want you to help me find lookalike audiences. Don't sell me the data because there's no more data selling, but I have this voluminous amount of first party data. It's my data. And I'm going to ask you to model and find even more audiences to go after. That probably is the future, which is why it's so important. If you don't have a voluminous and quality amount of forward looking first party data, not looking in the past, then you will no longer be as competitive um, in a space where that is going to be the new trend. Interesting. So if I were a brand, let's just use your example of Nike, and let's pretend that I didn't spend half my life savings on Nike products. Um, how would they know then to get to me if I had never been a customer? What does that that sort of step one onboarding of a customer process look like? Or even you know the awareness side of it without you know, the, the old ways of cookies and, and, and third-party data. Right. So it's basically going to become more fragmented, right? And, and if you think about that problem, um, 
I break it down into two things, right? It's who you want to go after and how you want to go after them. The who you want to go after and how you go after them previously was solved with the third-party cookie ID and cookie syncs. Now that that's gone, that problem has been broken up into two macro problems. What we primarily first started focusing on was the who, right? So um, if you are part of the audience that's you know maybe been to Nike.com, but you didn't you didn't spend half your life savings and you don't have any Nike shoes, but you're in market, so you're potentially a highly sought after audience, you know, for Nike. Um, you are someone that we are um, building a behavioral household profile only within what you've done on Nike, right? So we're helping essentially Nike build that first party data, um, you know, to, to activate. Now the who is the second part of that, right? Okay, great. I know who now, um, you know, Full Throttle has helped me solve the who I want to go after. Now what do I go do with that? Essentially, that's what we call onboarding first party data to other suppliers, right? So other companies, other advertisers, other publishers that want to uh, deliver Nike advertising are going to say, okay, great. I'm, um, uh, I don't know, just use CNN as like a news site, like publisher. Um, I'm CNN. I want to, um, you know, Nike, you've done a great job of figuring out the who. I'm, I'm building the infrastructure to onboard your first party data into my system and go find them essentially and activate them. So, it, it's it's still the fundamental of who and how, but that has become more fragmented, right? In the past, you can kind of do it all in one place. It's like, oh, I know who, and I know how, and I click and play, and boom, I'm gone. It was a lot easier. Now, it's fully fragmented. I may have to go down to individual publishers or individual coalitions or, you know, using Google's uh, Topics um, API, which is something they're coming out with, or using uh, Trade Desk has Unified ID. We don't really know which one's going to be, there's not going to be a winner. There's just going to be a lot of different fragmented solutions. But you as Nike, if you become more data independent and you use someone like Full Throttle to build voluminous amounts of first party data, you are now very uh, future proof in the sense that you can now bring your data to anyone in the ecosystem because they're all starving for it. They all want your first party data to actually deliver a budget, right? Deliver actual media. Um, and you become so much more competitive once you're able to bring that who uh, to everyone's different, unique version of how. Hopefully, I didn't confuse you with that. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 super interesting. I it's it's all at once. I mean, it sounds like a lot more effort has to go in to to everything moving forward. But it also feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like we're all better off. And you know, obviously, the end consumer is as well because you know their privacy concerns have been addressed. Exactly, and it's it's a great uh, almost segue to, to the second part, which is. It, it making things painful is, is not in the interest of a, a mutual business collective, right? So then what can you, what the next thing that we solve for Richard is like, okay, so if we're creating all those luminous amounts of data, how do we also make that audience more portable, right? So the, then, the, then there's the, we figured out the, the who, and we know that there's a lot of hows, how do we figure out the audience portability of Nike's first party data, right? So that's kind of the second problem. And there's some really unique things that we've done. Yes. There's the typical kind of, display advertising and overall like digital inventory ecosystem that has um, been in place for years and they will have their own kind of versions of that. But we've also built unique partnerships with um, Comcast and Spectrum through BlockGraph. And that was uh, Alex mentioned, um, you know, we have uh, uh, some news that dropped uh, this morning on, on Ad Exchanger. Uh, we have a partnership that we, we, an integration we built with BlockGraph. BlockGraph, uh, you know, for those that don't know, is joint venture um, by Comcast um, you know, charter 
uh, Viacom and, and potentially a few others. And essentially, now that we've integrated with BlockRef, we can reach TV in a totally different way with true first-party household data. I mean, when you think about the MVPDs, they have a ton of first-party data. They have amazing set-top box data. They have amazing householding data. That's what we focus on, households, right? So really, really great way that using something like BlockRef, you can, you can deliver data-driven and even addressable TV in a way that you've never been able to deliver before. We've also built partnerships with iHeartMedia, so you can deliver audio in that same exact way. And we've also delivered integrations with um, Amazon and Amazon's API. Amazon's super relevant because they also have everyone's household, right? Because we've all bought something inevitably from Amazon. So for, for someone like us who's helping like a Nike or a mattress company, whomever, um, to build all this amazing first-party household data, we can now, in a privacy-compliant way, match that into Amazon's system and say, you know, Richard's looking for shoes. Um, do you want to go find Richard within Amazon's ad network from, from a household basis? So the second problem is, is you know, we have three pillars, identification, marketing, and measurement. Identification is creating the first kind of voluminous amounts of first party household data. Market is how do we, you know, because it's so painful now, how do we create easy ways for brands, their agencies, and their media partners to activate that data in highly consumed outlets like uh, Comcast and Charter and, and iHeartMedia and Amazon. And the last piece is measurement, because if I can start with Richard and, and not necessarily Richard, but start with the household of where Richard is, then I can measure through the entire process in terms of a life cycle, in terms of a customer data platform. I can see the entire journey and I can see if uh, ultimately the household that Richard is a part of, even if I don't know his name, actually uh, purchased something uh, for my site. So that whole, like completing the loop from attribution is not as another like massive, massive enabler um, from starting with true first party data at the household level. Interesting. And so looking forward, what sort of trends are, are you looking at in the industry, you know, both I, I'd say in the coming year and the next five years, let's say, and particularly as it relates to all the different channels that marketers have to pay attention to and brands, more importantly, have to pay attention to along the way, be it, you know, web, mobile, metaverse, you know, television, what have you. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is, is, uh, like I said, the, the industry is definitely screaming for more first party data. Um, and, and there's a kind of a, a big land grab for everyone to figure out how they're going to go do this. Um, for a lot of media companies, one of the trends that we're seeing um, especially given the space of, of data-driven TV. Um, we're looking at, you know, this year's upfronts and both on the video and, and audio side, right? Um, a lot of technology is being packaged in with things like upfronts, things like annual um, media buys because advertisers are demanding more data-enabled media. They want more technology and they want something that can um, play nice essentially with the rest of their entire ecosystem, right? So you can take something like an, an iHeartMedia that is is selling a um, annual kind of uh, you know mixed audio uh, package, right, as part of their upfronts. Um, now they're packaging and also something like a Full Throttle as a SaaS platform. Now the advertisers look like, wow, that's great. Not only am I getting a great deal as, as an upfront audio um, you know deal for the year, I'm also getting this software that can now create all this data. It helps me with what I'm doing with audio, but it can also feed in um, to my customer data platform. It can feed into what I'm doing with all my other uh, media vendors as well. So the packaging of, certainly we've seen it as full throttle, that our technology 
is getting packaged more, more in as a centerpiece as media companies look to deliver something more competitive um, in addition to the actual media delivery that they're doing. Fascinating stuff. Well, Amal, it's been wonderful having you on today. Where can people find out more about Full Throttle? So fullthrottle.ai is our, our website. We have everything from information on our technology solutions. Our platform is fully open, so a ton of API documentation as well. And that's uh, the great best place for resources and more information. Excellent. Well, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks, Richard. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. For more content like this and to learn about Advertising Week's global events for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries, visit www.advertisingweek.com. Chaptering and other structural elements for this podcast are powered by Snackable AI. With the ability to unify all content in one place, have AI distill the best insights instantaneously, and share them seamlessly, businesses on Snackable create more relevant value for their audiences faster than ever before. Learn more at snackable.ai.